0: She probably was the epitome of the world's wisdom, power, and wealth. That isn't in scripture, but that's how I interpret what is happening in this epic moment when Sheba comes to King Solomon. And King Solomon, it says, um, you know, answers all the questions in her heart. Nothing was hidden from Solomon, it says. And it's an amazing moment. It says that the queen looks. And how the tables are set. We all know this story, right? How the tables are set. How his servants are dressed. And the staircase by which she inquired of the Lord. By which Solomon, excuse me, inquired of the Lord. And it says that the queen was left breathless. That means her spirit left her. Her pride, her power, her influence. All that she has, she's just left deflated. She's she's stunned. And she says, the half... Hasn't been told. Isn't that amazing? Well, the queen... And then she goes on and basically proclaims, What an amazing place your servants are to serve under a king like you, who obviously is serving this God of heaven. So somehow she gets that God is in Solomon's leadership. Okay, well that is, I think, the ultimate end of our journey as a prosperous soul to display the wisdom of God through our lives in such a way that the world is left breathless. Remember last night when I said how the the church has been afraid of power, so we've separated from power and we've left this space, and the world has come in and filled that vacuum? Well, I do think that these are the days that us as Josephs are being freed from debt, freed from imprisonment and bondage, and beginning to approach power again our invitation is before us your invitation I extend it to you is to become a powerful believer in Christ pure and devoted and simple like Paul said the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ so profound And, and, and so I invite you to that to a place like Solomon had where he was able to stand in a place of power and not be shaken by it he didn't end well Solomon failed in the end. But in this day, look at what happened. I don't think it was the table settings that wowed Sheba, because she could set her own tables. I don't think it was the dress that uh, his servants had, because I think Sheba's servants were probably dressed as well. I think she could imitate everything that Solomon had, except the staircase. Except the staircase. She did, not have, she did not know God. See, Solomon's secret is the ability to inquire of the Lord and hear from, hear from God direct answers to mysteries, right? Because it said that nothing was hidden from Solomon. It didn't say that Solomon says he was the wisest man in the world, but that doesn't mean he already knew everything with intelligence. I think his wisdom was how to build the staircase and how to kneel before the God of his creation and ask and inquire. And so I've been learning that. There's, there's more to tell. I could preach on it. Obviously I have a bunch and I love it. And I practice it. I'm learning how to sit in silence before the maker of heaven. And listen. <sighs> you know, we don't listen well. We're talkers. Our prayer, most of our prayer, oh, I'm on a rabbit trail, but I'm going to go. You know, most of our prayer is spent in the spirit of fear. Do you know that? Most of our prayer time is us just talking. Have you ever been around someone, maybe it's you, but maybe it's someone you know, that whenever they're with, whenever, whenever you're with some people and it gets really quiet, you know that awkward quiet, and somebody has to just start talking. It, blah, 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 blah. Let's just fill up the noise, right? Let's... Whoa, we need some volume because this is really uncomfortable. Why is that? Why is it we can't sit in quiet? vulnerable there and so the Holy Spirit's been teaching me how to sit and I apologize for the illustration but it's just true how to sit shirtless bare uncovered undisguised before my maker and when I walk out of those places I know stuff and it's not comfortable because I'm not used to that I don't like doing that I like to go in before the throne boldly and tell him all the things I need him to know about my life because he's obviously not watching. Or he's not paying attention, or he would know this stuff. He would have fixed it already. You know what? He's not worried about my little stuff. He loves me. There are times for petition prayer, and I storm the gates, man. I'm not afraid to do that. But in this place, there's a certain place where there's a protocol before the King of Kings. He's a king. It's like Lucy in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. She's talking to Beaver, the Beaver family. And she says, who is Aslan? And the Beaver, I think it was the Beaver dad said, well, he's the king. Aslan's the lion. He's the king. She says, oh my gosh, he sounds scary. Is he safe? (laughs) No, he's not safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Oh, don't you see that? This is the king. We walk around and we, we fill our prayers with fear and they, because we're scared. That's okay. Don't condemn yourself. You know what? Life is scary. It's a messy, messy place. But there are, and there are times when we pre- petition and pray. This CD isn't about that. I'm not even talking about the CD now. I don't care if you buy anything. I'm just telling you, there's something so much more important. The ability to inquire of the king of kings, of, to listen, to listen. So explore that. Last point I have to make. Do you know that this time with Sheba, Solomon was 20 years approximately into his, into his rulership. Imagine that. He's, he's this grown master of wisdom. He's, just, he's leading Israel through its longest season of peace ever. It's the golden age of Israel. And here's Solomon. He's, can you just imagine him? He's got this, what does his robe look like to you? You know, for me, it's this massive robe. It's got that white furry stuff with the black dots on it. I don't know what that is, but for some reason he's wearing those frills and he's got this big thing. The first thing he did as king, 20 years earlier, he's young. His father David has just died. King David I mean, the dude was a legend in his own time, right? His dad is dead. And Solomon is the new prince, now king. And you see Solomon, and he says his first prayer. His first act is to burn a 1,000 burnt offerings. That's a 1,000 cows. That's a barbecue, baby, right? He has a serious barbecue. He goes out, and he sacrifices a thousand oxen. And then he prays this prayer. God, give me wisdom. For who am I to lead such a great people as this? Right? Amazing. Did you know that the word for offering, his burnt offering, comes from the same word as staircase. Just a little piece of information. Solomon, in his first prayer, was, "God, teach me wisdom." And I believe, and his act of a worship, his act of those offering, those oxen, this, how to sit before the king and offer himself, and 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 listen for wisdom. He needed wisdom. God, give me wisdom. He never stopped asking that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So there you have it. Staircase and, and burnt offering come from the same word. It means to go up, to rise. Woo. That's what left Sheba breathless right there, man. Fun. You know what? I'm gonna give you that one, Brent. Thank you. That's for you and Suzanne. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Oh my word, ten thirty. You guys have to stop talking, okay? So that you keep interrupting me so that I can get through this stuff. Oh lord. Now the jokes. This is my book. We'll talk about it later. Um Wow, Jesus. I want to I want to recap some things, but we can't go anywhere without inviting. I know he's here, but I want to make it out loud. So let's um let's imagine your heart is like a a, a flashlight or a torch just showing and it tends to look down because that's where our feet are walking. That's where we're, all of our attention tends to be down. I want you to turn the heart of affection to up. I want you to point it at the King of Kings right now, at the Maker. I mean, how do you imagine Him? He's so beautiful. He, you know, he, isn't He beautiful? Isn't He amazing? And just just gaze into His face, or what? How you interact in the tendermost moments with your with your maker, with the lover of your soul. I want you to turn that heart of affection to his face and just speak to him right now. Father, I just, I'm just i so grateful for my life, just in your own. Don't listen to me, on your own. What are you grateful for? We just, we just are so, I am so grateful, God. Thank you for your mercies, new every morning, God. Thank you, King. Thank you, God. You can do better than that, come on. This is Bethel Church right now. Come on, come on, do it better than that. I want you to talk to the king of king, the one who made you, the one who fashioned you. You're like clay in his massive hands. He's the king. He's good, I tell you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, God. Jesus, you're so good. Oh, God. Oh, God in heaven. Bless your name. Bless your name. Be pleased, Lord. Be pleased with what we do today, God. Be pleased in our lives, God. Lord, let it burn like incense. Let it rise like smoke from our lives. Let our lives rise like a fragrance, Lord, that you would lean in. God, you would lean in and breathe our lives, and it would please you. Lord, if that could happen, Lord, let it be done. Let it be a pleasure to your life. Let it be a blessing and a praise. Let the world come breathless. When they see us, behold you, Lord God, and demonstrate you, Lord God. Let that be our portion, God. Let it be on us. Ha! Let it be on us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because of the cross. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the cross, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, you, King. Thank you, God. We ask that you would sit with us today that you would, like yesterday, you would bind things, and we bind them now on earth, anything that's not from heaven, anything from the second heaven, anything from the enemy, anything from our own lies that we believe that is not from heaven. We ask and declare that that be bound, because we know it has been bound in heaven. And so, Lord, we also loose. We loose the virtues of the kingdom. Lord, we loose the virtues of the scripture, Lord. We bless your name and we say, let it be loosed. And we declare, let heaven come. Let your kingdom come and be loosed in this place. So in our lives, God, I pray it in Jesus' name. Because we know it has been loosed in heaven. Thank you, God. Now you're cooking. Come on, this, this is working for me. You guys are awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Oh, you're so good. Thank you, God. Lord, we ask we look forward to you handling us. I just sense you're gonna handle us today like clay. And so we set our lives out, our hearts, myself included. We lay our hair our hearts like clay on the on the wheel. On that wheel, Lord, and we just say, Just just shape us, God. Shape us. Where we've become misshapen, reshape us, God. But I know we were made in your image, and I know that we are fundamentally beautiful, fundamentally we're beautiful, we're, we're loved profoundly, and I, I'm so grateful for that, Lord, and so we dedicate our day to you, we dedicate our time this entire day, that it would please you in all respects, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, Ho! amen, amen, ah, thank you, God, come on, Jesus, so good. Fundamentally loved. Can you believe that? Can you believe it up here in your head? We're fundamentally loved. I could get there. I had a tough time down here believing it. I I can get it here intellectually that I'm fundamentally lovely. But I have a hard time down in here believing that I'm valuable. There was an exercise that I challenged you guys with last night. Just stand in front of the mirror and look into the mirror and tell yourself what God thinks about you. Do you remember that? Did anybody do that? How did that go? Just give me thumbs up if it was a good, rich time. Okay, okay, good. Honesty, I love it, I love it. Those things are hard because we have been trained not to love ourselves. We're confused in that arena. It's confusing out there. Before we get to the million-dollar thing, uh, I feel like this is where we need to go. I'll tell you a story, and this is a true one out of my life. Um, and the doctrinal piece, the theological piece, I'll let Brent fix it if I screw this up, okay? So you can you can go after it if you want, but, but this is what I believe happened. I was in the chapel one day, and I was um, processing a prayer not much different than what we just did. And I was talking to the Lord about Myself and my disappointments. I was, I was praying, which translates whining. Okay, <laughs> so I'm before the King, and I'm just, I'm just uh, asking and declaring. I'm doing all the tools that I've been taught. But I, I've been, t- I've taught, I've learned these tools, and I, I kind of wear them, but they're not really mine. It's like I've borrowed tools: declaration, petition, prayer, faith. You know what I mean? Just this stuff wasn't really mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, so I had these tools. It's very much like David, when he was a little boy, and Goliath is out in the field, and he is, and Saul loans him his armor. But David was wiser than me. He said, "No, he, he didn't wear it. Right? He didn't put it on. He did what? He, he used his tools, the the sling, right, and the rock. So, so this is me in modern day, and I'm realizing I'm in this prayer time, and I'm and I'm in a bit of a conflict. In other words, I, I am in prayer, I'm worried about things, but I'm, it's scary because I feel like I'm not using real tools or the tools don't seem to be working, but these are the only tools I've learned. And I kid you not, the Holy Spirit, vote verbally, out loud, Now I'm, I'm by myself and I'm in the prayer chapel at Bethel, and out loud, he says, say, I am good, as we said, say, I am good. And I thought, no, no, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Hello? I'm not good because God alone is good, and I am a worm. God is good, and I'm not, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I go, say I'm good. I'm just kind of like, get thee behind me, Satan, you know. Why would I pride and, you know, all these things that would... You know, flare up in me. I'm not going to let that happen. So I boldly say, No, I won't say that. He says again, out loud, after a few moments, Say, I am good. I said, No, with clarity now, no, I, I'm not good. I'm not good. In fact, I've been watching my life at that point for, you know, 45 years or whatever it was. I'm pretty convinced I'm not good. In fact, even though I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm under the blood, but I'm, I'm kind of a worm. I really feel like a worm. God, I, I think that that's safe, in fact. I think if I'm a worm, it prevents me from falling into, into pride and all bunch of stuff. you know. And I don't want to go before, you know, pride goes before the fall. I don't want to fall. And he says, say, I am good said, no, I'm not going to say it. I don't believe it, and I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not going to say that. And then he said, say, I am good. <laughs> it shifted. Uh-huh. And I went, hmm. All right. I am good. G- <laughs> I am good. I am, oh, God, I can't do this. And he says, okay. He says, but you're going to have to make a choice. You believe that you're not good. Which is more true, your belief or my cross? And I'm all, checkmate? Come on, what the, what's up with that? That ain't Fair because I know the cross and so I start thinking about this cross now I believed profoundly in my worthlessness you get that I was convinced in fact I was armored up in scriptures to defend it because it protected me from things it also caged me from things and so I have this convinced convinced knowledge in my worthlessness, right? And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit says, well, which is more true, that or my cross, my son's cross? So I start thinking about the cross of Christ, and I think, well, hmm, that is kind of interesting, you know, because before before the fall of man, before Adam made his fumble, God made man and he made woman, and he said, "It is very good, very good so so at one point, man and woman were very good, right but oh my word, have we goofed up right? Adam fails, and this sin nature is carried through the through the seed of men through generations, and I'm no different. In fact, I almost celebrate my failing. And then I think, well, you know, when, when Jesus died, well, that means he, you know, so here's the, here was the very good. This is like a, a high jump pole. You see it? And it's right here. And they were very good. Men were very good. Women and then and then the fall and the pole was low where we can all step over it. We're all we're not good. We're we're sin. But then this crazy guy Jesus comes and resets the pole. He sets it back up and he says the cross makes you very good in God's eyes. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I, this is just like I know this intellectually, but I did not know it in my heart. Now, I'm going to take the heart for a minute. Heart, gosh, what is the heart of man? Well, we're going to separate that for a minute into two compartments, the soul and the spirit. And I'm just going to talk a moment. This is where Brett can fix. Brent can fix the theology. Because I think the heart of man is two parts. I think it's soul and spirit. And what's interesting is the soul, we have some language around. It's the mind, the will, and the emotion. Who's heard that? The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion. The soul inside of us is the part that's learned, that learns, that thinks, that understands us, that has watched me, my soul has watched me for now 52 years and has learned a bunch of stuff. And it's pretty convinced. In fact, my soul has faith in what it, has, what it has observed and learned. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's my mind. That's what I know. But then I have a spirit. And my spirit had this encounter. My spirit met Jesus Christ. And my spirit gave itself to Jesus. And Jesus filled my spirit. <laughs> okay? So I'm a born-again man walking around with a divided heart. My soul believing one thing and my spirit believing something eternal. Yes? Because my spirit knows stuff that my soul doesn't. My spirit knows that, no, I am very good in Christ. But my soul says, no, I am a worm. Now, I happen to be at Bethel Church, and we believe in the supernatural, so that means I'm a worm with a cape, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm a supernatural worm. I'm a worm that can fly through the air like a bullet and leap tall buildings in a single bound. I'm a supernatural worm. You get that? I've just, I've just put on something over, I put a cape over my divided heart. You get that? And so I have this moment. And I'm telling you the truth. This is just how it was. I see my soul and my spirit standing in front of me. They looked just like me, except they were, they were like clear. And they were standing there, body, soul, and spirit. And I was by myself, and I was in the chapel. And, my, and God asks me again, say, I am good. And I watch my soul, I I come from in high school, I was a wrestler, and so I learned how to wrestle. So this imagery may not fit for you, but I'll tell you what happened to me. I saw my soul and my spirit square off and get ready to wrestle. But it was a savage, savage thing, it scared me to death, it was really awful. I watched my soul attack my spirit. Because my soul, would, it had faith in my worm. Wow. And it would not settle. It would not. It's ferocious. I'm telling you, the soul inside of you is ferocious. It's the thing that fights for our lives. Oh, that soul is ferocious. And it is no match for your spirit. And I watched my soul and my spirit go to war. And I just stood there, thankfully I was by myself, but I'm st- physically, if anyone was to look in the room, I'm just standing there weeping. I'm just standing there like a, like a dumbstruck middle-aged man, just crying. But what I'm watching is the death of a lie that I believe so profoundly, and what happened is my soul lost. My soul lost. Yeah. Yeah didn't feel very good, but I saw my spirit. They grappled and wrestled and wrestled, and I saw my spirit pin my soul to the floor. It won. And my soul was laying there, defeated, and my spirit was over it with its hands on its shirt pinned to the floor. And I'm weeping, and I don't know what this means. And then I Blows me away. My soul, excuse me, my spirit pulls my soul to its feet and says, Now come on, let's run. And now I'm just like, What? My soul has a value? My worm has a value? And I realized, Oh my goodness, this is what the cross did, guys. The cross restored the bar. And it made us very good. Do you realize this is what Jesus did? I mean, we know it intellectually, but for the first time in my life, my soul yielded to a truth that it did not want to believe. And that yielded soul stands up and begins to run with my spirit, led by my spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Do you get this? That is my definition of a prosperous soul. Now let's look at the verse on the front of your manual. Right on the very front, bottom right corner. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Isn't that amazing? Beloved, I pray. You know, John prayed that prayer And it still hangs in the atmosphere. Isn't that amazing? His prayer is hanging in, in this room. I have repeated a prayer said years and years and decades and generations ago that is still hanging in the atmosphere for us right now. And it says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects, everything, everything, that you would prosper and be in good health. That's amazing. Even as your soul prospers, your soul is the fountain that these things come from. A prosperous soul is a submitted soul to the Holy Spirit. <sighs> do you know Do you know that there are some things that are true and then there are other things that are even truer? Like I got to play with some of these things that that John says in this verse. He says that you would prosper. You know, prosper, do you know what that word means, biblically? It means a good road. You know, the difference between prosper and success. I mean, we think a lot about success. Who wants success? I do. I want success. Success. We want to succeed but success means a win an individual win like when a team is on the football field or whatever sport you follow and they win the game they've had a success right that's a one off but a but prosper means a good road or a path a lifetime of successes this is what john is saying a lifetime of successes that you would prosper. You would have a good road as you pass through your days, as you move through your life. Isn't that amazing? I want a good I want to prosper. I want to prosper. And then he says, and that you would be in good health. You know, you know, we love healing, right? Healing's amazing. Who has prayed or seen someone prayed for the sick and healed? I have. It's it's unbelievable. But you know what's better than healing? Oh, divine health. Yeah. Does that make healing any less? No. But that's like, oh my goodness. A prosperous soul is the fountain of a good road and divine health. Yeah. How many diseases in this, just on the natural, how many diseases in our... In our world, do we watch that are that, that come out of conflicted lives, stress, divided hearts, all of that stuff? I'm telling you this scripture is gigantic, and when we talk about prosper, this is where I get to finally relax and and tell you guys and believe that you'll hear me when I say it. This isn't even about money. You know, a lot of people they're afraid. A prosperous soul is that a is that a get-rich thing? No, it couldn't be further from the truth because I don't even care about money. Money is a tool. You know, money for me is under my feet. It is a toll servant. It's nothing. It's, it's whatever. I see millions of dollars all the time. Ones and twos and threes with many, many zeros behind it. And I just, I just don't care. I need money to serve me. But I'll tell you what prosper, prosperity for me is is a wife that loves me after 32 years. Isn't that amazing? And that I love back. I mean, that, and my children that think I'm, you know, that think I'm awesome, they want to come and sit. They're grown men now, and they want to bring their little girlfriends over to my house and introduce them to me. I'm like, that's, that's prosperity. That's a, that's a prosperous soul. It's the end of this conflict in my heart and, and this divided thing. And this is why I've spent so much time on this morning on this, because yesterday during the message and then after talking with folks and then a little bit more this morning, I just we need to hit this. We've got to get a single heart. Yes. We need one heart. And I'll tell you, your heart has two rooms. Your heart is a soul and a spirit. And if this is scripturally wrong, theologically wrong, Brent will fix it, okay? Now, I'm just telling you what I've learned. And I believe I heard this. Uh, I haven't researched this to to my satisfaction yet. But I believe that the Hebrew perspective of a man's heart is soul and spirit. It's a combination room. There's two pieces in there. But our soul and our spirit both have faith. You get that? And they believe wherever they believe different things, contrary things, you're you're in for you're in for a, torture. That's torture. Those are the places where we're tortured. And this is why the um, the financial sozo is so such a key tool. Now I gotta I gotta tell you guys. Financial sozo, I just got to demystify this stuff because you got to understand that I have no tricks. You got to understand I have no corner on any market whatsoever. And if, and if, when I feel a little bit, I just, I just want to say that, you know, we, we tend to admire others like, wow, that, that person is amazing, this person. And I've heard some of you say that, you know, Steve, you're amazing or whatever. I, I, I appreciate that so much. That just, it's so much easier to hear than, Steve, you're just so stupid. You know? Or I wish you had better hair. You know, those kinds of things. I wish I had better hair. It's true. But I think of this as a style choice. Um, but I, I just genuinely thank you for that and appreciate that. But you've got to understand, if that, whenever a, a, a word is said like that, Steve, you're so amazing, if underneath it, what's the spirit underneath it? What's the foundation it's sitting on? If it's like, a, you know, when, when Sheba came to Solomon, Sheba didn't come feeling like a worm. She felt like a queen. We have to presume this. It's not in Scripture, but let's just, I think it's probably a safe presumption that she would cross the desert with her, it says she had a large retinue. That, you know, that means her accompaniment, right? Camels and spices and gold and just all this stuff to come and honor the king. When kings come together, they exchange wealth. They don't need each other's wealth. What are they doing? They're demonstrating their strength. They're demonstrating their strength and they're saying, Here, I recognize you're a king, and oh by the way, I'm a king. And it doesn't diminish either one. You get that? When somebody says, You're amazing, judge, when it comes out of your mouth, judge what, what spirit it's coming from. Is it a is it a we're equals? And I acknowledge the gift of God on you. That's different than you're amazing and I'm a worm. You hear it? You're going to have to get that. Because I'll tell you what, money is just going to exaggerate whatever's in your heart. And if that's going on in there, you're, you're just going you to, if you get more money. See, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. He's not going to crush you. You know that? In fact, I'll try to tell it really fast, but I was in the, this whole ministry started in the chapel, and I saw a, um, it was one of the earliest visions I ever saw, and it was a room, I was again in the chapel, that doesn't matter, but I was in a room by myself, and the whole room went black, it was like a room with all the lights out, except one, one uh, spotlight, that shone down right in the center of the room and in the middle of the circle of light was this bag of gold. Well, I presumed it was bag because it looked like one of those bandit ba- or Wells Fargo bags from the, from the you know, Cowboy and Indian days, yeah. Stagecoach, thank you. And, and on it, it had a dollar sign on this canvas bag and it was all lumpy and it was tight at the top. And I could tell you more about it, but I'll just kind of rush through it I saw two snapshots. The first one was that. And I said, God, what's that? And he said, that's the wealth of the world. And I prayed some more and prayed some more. And after a while, he showed me a second picture. And it was the same bag, tipped over, untied and spilling out. And it was like gold bars and coins and just all this gold stuff. It was just spectacular. And I said, God, what's that? And he says, that's the transfer from the wicked to the righteous. It was like, praise God. And so, Lord, and I was praying about this on Bethel's behalf. Lord, how do I access promise and prophetic word? And who's, who's heard prophetic words about God's provision for years and years and years? You know, And sometimes when you don't see that, it's, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of sick to death of hearing. I just want to activate a third of what I've been hearing. You know, <laughs> This is my attitude when I was in there. And I'm like going after it. And I see these pictures. The bag, the wealth of the wicked, the spill. The transfer from the wicked to the righteous. God, how do I access that? And He says, Teach my church how to carry wealth. Teach my church capacity. And so this is where Prosperous Soul started. And I don't think I have all the answers. I know I don't because I'm still learning a bunch of stuff, but but capacity is in the ability to understand what your foundation is. You're not going to be a superworm and carry anything. You can fake it. You can put on good shows with our worm suit. We look okay in church. But down low, down deep, if you're still divided in there, you need to address that. And my experience, I almost said I I guarantee, I can't. I I don't really know what I'm even talking about. I'm just sharing you out of my experiences, okay? This whole thing is out of my experiences. So this might be Saul's armor is that fair? I'm giving you Saul's armor. I'm telling you, I'm showing you this is my this is my breastplate and look at these dents and this is how I got that scar and here's my helmet. This is how I warfare in this way. I'm you you'll have to hear what I'm saying and I believe by the spirit of God translate it into your own lives and figure out how to equip yourselves with your own equipment. And I want you to do that. But I think fundamentally across the play. all of us. We are all going to have to address this division of heart, this division of soul and spirit. And we've got to get our soul submitted to the truth in the Bible. We've got to understand the cross. The cross is amazing. I think the cross is way bigger than we even understand it. I think we're going to go to heaven, and for who knows how many eons, ponder and marvel at what Jesus did on that cross. I mean, it's, I think the cross is gigantic. And so when I ponder that, here's my problem. When my soul is pulled to its feet and my body, soul, and spirit are finally converged, okay, and starting to go together, it requires something. Yeah, I, I don't have the right to be idle or excuse in anything anymore i have no excuses and this is why i was weeping when i saw my soul pinned because holy moly i have no excuse i have no excuse i am caleb oh my god i'm caleb and there is a hill country What's, you know, what is there for you? What is out there? You're, you are hearing this message. And, and we're going to do, if I can figure out how to do it, we're going to take a little time this morning and uh, process through the lies you believe where your soul and your spirit are in, in opposite belief, okay? I wanted this to be as practical as we can. And actually give you some chances to write things down and, and and pursue this thing. Because when you, once you, if you do nothing, you know, God isn't going to be mad at us. You, you know that, right? God thinks we're beautiful. Do you realize that? He is the best version of a daddy that you could ever imagine. And he's better than that. And, you know, when you're a little kid, when when one of these little ones runs and scratches their knee and cries, you don't, you don't, like, that was dumb. Can't believe he's tripped over that. We're like, oh, sweetheart. We're banded, kiss their little boo-boo, right? Fix them up. We don't, you get that? Think about how much better God is. So I just want to relieve you in this room. If you're not ready to go there, God bless you. Peace to you. But if you're if you're willing to risk it, you've got to know you're in the hands of a God that is so a papa that is so good. You know a lot of us have really beat up versions of Papa, don't we? We have rough experiences with our earthly fathers, or maybe we have no father, and it tinkers with our language when I say Father God. But we gotta just we're gonna have to push through this for a minute. I gotta figure out how I wanna do this right now. But I have a, another theory coming out of my own life. I didn't have the I, I, I told you yesterday that my, my father recently passed away. Well what I can tell you now too is I did love him very much, but we had a really rough relationship. And when I was much younger, he was he was an alcoholic and It was um, violent and unpleasant. You know, just wasn't fun. And so I had a real difficult time trusting my father. And partly that was self-preservation. Okay, some of this stuff is, you know, we're wired in certain ways to survive. When I say our soul is ferocious, I mean it. Our soul knows how to live. Our soul, God built it. That way, you realize that. And then, when that ferocity is pointed toward truth in alignment with your spirit, you can imagine what you've got. You've got the unstoppable motion. You've got the thing that the devil can't slow down. Right? And so me and my pop, we, we didn't get along so good, so I had a real hard time with this Father God thing. This is way back. I had a real hard time with Papa. And I believed in God, and I, I somehow I always believed in God. I remember as a little boy, I grew up on a farm, uh, summers on the farm. And uh, I remember my uncle's hunting dog. Her name was Queenie. She was an old veteran pheasant hunter and duck hunter. But I remember being out underneath the barn shade and talking to that old dog, Queenie, telling her about God, which is hilarious because... You know, why, why would I do that? But you got to understand, I wasn't born in a Christian home. And yet somehow I just believed in God. Yeah. So I figured I got this God thing, but I didn't understand Father. And my theory is, in my, from based on my experiences, is that when I was cruising along and met Jesus Christ, and I learned about Jesus, oh, he's the Son of God. And he kind of like put skin on and came down here. And he got beat up. And he somehow didn't sin. And he didn't have that sin nature because of the... Isn't that amazing? Because of the virgin birth, that's why it happened? So that that sin nature wouldn't transfer? That just blows me away. Genius. God's really smart. Yeah. Just a little fascinating thing. But anyway, I always marvel at that. It's just like, that is so smart. That is so cool. So here's this Jesus. But I could relate to Jesus. Like, you're my brother, man. I love you. And I could relate to him as my Savior and my Lord. It's like, oh, I bow my knee to anybody who can not sin and go live a perfect life. And love me back. Because remember, I'm the worm. And I I just related to Jesus. You're my bro. You're my man. I'm your man. You know what I mean? I am yours forever. And... And what happened is, I lost track of something. Jesus is the doorway to the Father. And sure, he, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. There's no aspects about Jesus that are different than Father God. But the two are different. And Jesus came that I might come to the Father. But I stopped at the door. This might, be, this might not be good stuff, but I'm just being honest. I related to Jesus, and I never dealt with my father's stuff. And it was enough to, to relate to Jesus because I didn't perceive him as my father in heaven. I perceived him as my brother in heaven, my holy, righteous, perfect brother in heaven. And when, now we're back to the story, I'm in the chapel, and he says, say, I am good. I am listening to Father God, and I am having a battle. Because I am, no, I am not good. Remember that? Well, what God has been teaching me is that Jesus there, there's, Jesus is my Savior. He's the lover of my soul. That's my favorite title of, of Jesus. He's the lover of my soul. He loved me before I could love myself. And then I figured out that, well, through him, I can risk going to this Father because I don't have a very good safe paradigm for Father and begin to learn what it means to go to Father God. You know what Father God does? He gives us identity, protection, and purpose. Father God provides identity, who we are, protection he's the lion and purpose why are we here this is father god and i was like i'm walking through my life separate in my heart not knowing who my who i am my identity who's my protector and what is my purpose what a wreck can you imagine now you're listening to a guy that's that screwed up? Right? You're probably sitting there thinking, "Holy mackerel, I need a refund." Right? <laughs> Sorry, I already spent the money. <laughs> you have it in front of you. You did get your money back, by the way. You got it back in a manual. So, but here's the thing. I began to interact with Father and he began to give me he began to Show me who I was. My identity in Christ shifted from the worm with a cape to a man, a son, someone who could take up space, who deserved to take up space. Before I was invisible, after I was visible. I hope this is making sense for you guys because what I want happening here is I want you guys guys grinding away with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working on you guys right now. You know, I'm teaching stuff, but there's stuff going on all over the place right now. The Holy Spirit is in here just working away. And there's much more caught than what I'm teaching. And, And I believe this right now, and I pray into that right now. I just release that, Lord God. I just say yes and amen, Lord, that you would rebuild our foundations, that we would not... We would understand the cross of Christ right now, that we would, we would get it in our spirit and our soul would align. They would, your soul would submit to the spirit of God and recognize, oh, my word, I am valuable. I knew Jesus died for my sins, but now I occupy that space. I am a righteous man or a righteous woman. I am righteous by the blood of Jesus, but I am righteous. Isn't that amazing? Well, in that place, what does that require of you? When those two are whole, what would God have you do? How would that change your life? It's going to change your life if it was divided up before. It changed my life and i began to figure out what it meant to prosper and be in good health i'm i'm just beginning to see it and i just released that in the room lord that a prosperous soul would begin to pervade ho, the men and women in this room right now i just see it like um like an oil that god is okay i see a, a i've seen this before so I just love this image. It's a wineskin. Who knows how wineskins work? They fill them up, and when they're done and emptied, they're brittle and stretched. And I see in here a bunch of brittle and stretched wineskin hearts. They've been used. They've carried good wine. The wine has expanded and been drained out. And now there's these brittle, thin skin hearts. You see that? But what I'm seeing is I'm, I'm watching God and he has, his hands are lathered in oil. And he's reaching out and he's touching this skin and he's wiping this oil on this skin. And this skin, this is how they work. You don't throw away a wine skin. You oil it. And that skin begins to soak up that oil. And that's going on in this room right now. I just release that in Jesus' name. And that skin heart is beginning to shrink down because it's becoming softer again. And I just see God just scooping into this bucket. His hands are just dripping with this oil. And he just touches that skin. And he just keeps working that skin. And I see that thing getting thicker and softer and supple. And I see it shrinking back down into a new skin. And it's fit for new wine and we're just going to stay on this for a minute cuz it's still going on. And Lord, just keep I just continue to do this in Jesus name. In Jesus name, we soften those hearts right now. We oil those places. We oil those things. God's doing a bunch of stuff right now. You have permission to matter. Thank you, King. Thank you, King. Lord, shrink our hearts back. Back down to their size, their right size. Thick and supple. Ready to receive something. Some new wine, some new ideas, some new risks, some new hope. Wow, I feel like God is spilling. Now he's pouring into this wine, and it's weird. This is this bottle, but out is coming this thick hope you could hope again. Thank you, Jesus. And I, and I see that bag, that little wine, that wineskin is, is filling and it's getting rounded. And inside is just filled with hope. Thank you, King. And that hope is going to expand, but your heart is ready. Thank you, King. I feel like the Lord is... Okay, so I want us to, in this spot, I want you to stay where you're at, and I want you to ask Papa God if there's a foundation underneath you that needs to be replaced, a foundational belief in yourself. Can you say, I am good? Can you say, I am good? Can you say, I am good? good. There you're getting there. you to think about where you learned, for those of you who are struggling with the I am good, with the cross, and you know better in your mind, but we're talking about that heart division, and for some of you in there, you learned that you're not worthy from someone or somewhere or something, I want you to ask Papa to show you where that was and who that was. And don't make it hard. It's probably going to pop right in your head. And I want you to forgive them right now. I want you to hand them to this Papa God that's safe. Father God, repeat after me. Father God... (coughs) I forgive. Now, name that person under your breath. No one needs to hear it. Maybe it's persons. And Father God, repeat that. I forgive myself for believing more fiercely. In, in my soul, things that were not Bible, things that were not true. I repent in Jesus' name, and I turn around, and I look to the cross. I submit to the Spirit of God. So I'm, here's what I'm seeing, and I am struggling a little bit on what next to do. I'm seeing these two circles, like the MasterCard symbol, where the two circles are overlapped. It's your soul and your spirit, but they're not quite together. And I'm not sure what to do about that. But I feel like some of you, maybe I haven't been clear enough, but some of you still have places in your soul that you're believing about yourself. That isn't isn't Bible. Mm. Okay, okay. I'm gonna, can I let you do that? Let me get you this.
1: Okay, I want you to picture Jesus in your head right now, and I want you to. To do this, I want you to say, Jesus, would you take me to your Father? And would you stand there with me? And while you stand there, would you break off of me all the fear I've had towards your Father? Jesus, what does your father think of me? When you hear it, sense it or see it, write it down. and then say this Father God I have been believing a lie I believed that you were mean and ready to punish me and I have believed more in my ability to fail than your ability to fix what I fail in Oh and I hand this lie to you. Father God, I have been believing a lie. That's for some reason I don't get to have my own destiny. And I hand this lie to you and I ask you to tell me today my purpose, why you created me and why I'm here.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just a couple more moments here. If you're writing down, I want you to take advantage of this. This is the whole reason we're here. You know that. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And I caution you on just remembering the stuff and not writing it down because you don't want to forget things like this. It's part of stewardship capturing what Papa's saying that's the wisdom of Solomon about 30 more seconds thank you Jesus so good so father god we just ask that you would seal up what you're doing the heavy construction that god is doing performing in our hearts right now realigning our hearts and teaching us to question lies of, that aren't that I don't know where we learn these things but it doesn't matter we want to know truth we want to know how you see us god we want to know our own identity The way you perceive us, God. And Lord, we ask that you would water that, and we will do our best to water that ourselves and nurture these things that you're doing so that we can grow into the man or the woman that you have assigned for us. Lord, you have mysteries and secrets. And we're your stewards. We're supposed to handle and manage those things. So we want to manage and handle ourselves first, make us perfect God. That like the Hebrew way of understanding, it's to operate as designed, to operate as created to be, to not measure up to anyone else's standard but to fill our space. How? Oh. Okay, there's more going on, so we're just going to wait. I see some of you are being inflated. You're actually filling up the space that you're supposed to take. This isn't a weight gain thing, by the way. This is, <laughs> this is in the spirit. <laughs> Oh, I just had a weird thought. We compensate for our underinflated spirits by overinflating our bodies.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lord, that our bodies would come into submission to our spirit as well. Lord, our soul and our spirit would bow their knees and follow your Holy Spirit the Spirit of God in us. Lord, make it so. Make it today. In fact, I see us driving a stake in the ground. Okay, so it's an important thing. We're going to break in another half hour or so. But I want you to think about what can I do to drive a stake in the ground to mark what God has done today? Okay? There's different, many ways to do it. I want you to take that and think, Lord, what would you have me do is it literally go in your backyard and drive a, a nail into the dirt? Maybe. Is it, is it a, well, I don't want to say because I don't want to put ideas in your head. Lord, I'm asking you to, to speak to us. Lord, we want to be like Solomon. We want to leave Sheba breathless. Here's a, here's a practice. Lord, we're going to practice hearing you would tell us how to drive a stake in the ground in our lives today. Yeah, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Ooh, that's awesome. That's, that was good right there. We just had church is what we did.
3: <laughs>
0: you know, I've got more to teach, but I feel like I'd like to hear from you guys. I feel like I'd like to walk around with the mic and just let some of you share about what's going on. Is anybody okay with that? Sure. Some of you are terrified to be, you know, asked, but I won't ask anybody, you know, if you spit or hiss, I won't, I won't even approach you. I won't even get near you. <laughs> Thank you. But a couple of you shared this morning, oh, that would be awesome. A couple of you shared this morning and uh, about what happened last night. A few more. It looks like God is really working on you today. I would love to hear. And and people, you see, this is our chance to prophesy to one another. Right? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when you guys share, you get a chance to prophesy because others will be gathering up. Others will be gleaning out of that. So is there someone that would like to maybe share a little bit? There you go, just wherever.
3: Okay, so uh, God's doing all kinds of crazy, wonderful things. Uh, so, just really quickly, um, I come from a lot of—I come from alcoholic, like codependent family, and um, I was always high energy and very vocal and expressive from the very beginning. But it was really hard for my mom to deal with that. So, one of my names. Given at a very young
1: age with la boca, which is the mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it did not come with a blessing. It became a curse. Hey. Mm-hmm. So,
3: um, uh, um, I remember at a young age, so when we were doing this exercise, the Lord took me back to a moment in time when I was about six, and um, uh, I was standing in the mirror
2: telling myself how
3: okay, I was. Oh. Mm-hmm. Ah, so Jesus and I went back to that place and wow. um, he was standing behind me and showed me, no, Mickey, you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're so be-. And as we were renouncing that lie, all this, the, oh. cur- whoa, the curse of the, this, mm-hmm. whew, know, a long line of powerful women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. uh, this nice. lie was just, And Jesus just lifted me up and helped. He put His hand in my heart. Oh, lifted me up away from all of that lie. And you know, when I asked Him, yeah,
2: we took off. Wow. (laughs)
3: Come on, you know, and King Training, ha ha, has really given me a starting point of just unfurling the wings. What he was showing me is that we're just uh, going from the worm to the butterfly, and yeah, a glorious set of wings, they're so beautiful that we're just unfurling. Wow.
0: permission before you my family to speak That's so to good. express, to dance to sing, to open my mouth to
4: create to be myself and some of you have blessed me now Lord. thank you
5: Come on. Okay. I'm Norma and when you prayed for me yesterday Stephen that mm. was so profound And you know I asked you what the difference was The poverty spirit and the orphan spirit, Mm -hmm. and then I shared that my mother had called me a miser, Mm -hmm. and that caused me to stop saving when I was a little girl because I'd always saved and I was proud of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, just all kinds of financial challenges um, have occurred. And so, you know, you said do a sozo on that. Mm -hmm. So, as I was driving home, the Lord sozoed me and and showed me that. you know, I'd always do things to please my parents, and and you know, I knew the Lord mm-hmm. even as a little child. I'd talk with Him in the garden all the time, all day long, and uh, you know, I was just constantly told, "Yeah, that was good, but not good enough. Yeah, you were good, but not good enough." That was always the
2: answer. Wow! And so the Lord showed me that that
5: the money thing and that sense of unworthiness is tied together. That mm-hmm. like, I'm not worth worthy of money, yep. or keep money, hold on to money. But, you know. All the religious stuff, the lies. And so, you know, when the Lord just spoke to me, oh, and, and then the, the thing of that, that your spirit, that, that if you have an underinflated spirit, you have an overinflated body. You know, mm-hmm. to be big, mm-hmm. as big as the Lord created us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the enemy <clears throat> constantly the lies, not mm-hmm. good enough, trying to get me to. Look at myself mm-hmm. and how I felt rather than keeping my eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. How he is, you know, the Lord told me a while ago it's like wherever you go, the wow. king, the, you step inside your house, the king is in the house. How? The king is Come in the on. house, the king. We're all kings. Yeah. How? And so he wow. said that to me just now, and he said, Write down. Wow. You know, what's going on? He said, What's my purpose? You know, Donna was saying, Yeah. Was saying, yeah. Write down. And so he said, You're a worshiper. You are a worshiper in everything you do. Wow. And that you reflect me in everything you do so that people see me and they're in awe wow. like the Queen of Sheba. Yeah. You're big in yeah. me. Yeah. And so, you know, every time the enemy tries to whack me
2: down with one of those lies, yeah. I go eat. And now I know why.
0: It's like, okay, stop. Okay. Wow.
5: <laughs> and remember how big. I am. I the my house yeah, me. That's So good.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Come on. That's amazing. Man, you guys are preaching. So good. This is amazing. I've had a great, I've had a great, I
3: have
0: a great.
2: I felt like I disappointed my father but I really didn't do it I just lived, had a misconceptive view of what really was going on mm-hmm. so I believed a lie and now I don't believe that lie because Come on. My, I have a great relationship with my earthly father I can call him right now and tell him whatever I need he'll give it to me I can go to him and confide in him and he'll give mm-hmm. me the best advice so I, I, he taught me how to love my father my, myself to be who I am so it was able to be to the night, to the Father. But because I believed that I was unworthy, mm-hmm. I couldn't trust God for the things that I needed to trust God for. But now oh, it's mm-hmm. all been restored. Yeah. Oh, come, come on. Oh. Come on. Crazy. Come on. But Just now praise God all I'm oh. that. Was- yeah, yeah, yeah that was taken away mm. all the way back now. <laughs> so good. You know, I was at one skin that was so thin and now I'm all filled up because I did. I and wow. When I felt bad, I will go punish myself. Yeah. It Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, slowly I started yeah. I was like, I'm not eating, I'm working out. I'm yeah. not eating, I'm doing this. I yeah. changed the way I do this because I know God has something better. But I needed to hear those words wow. to see exactly where I needed to be. That's and amazing. I right,
0: Wow! Yeah. Come on, come on. That is powerful. Let's, does anyone else want to share? There's one. Let's do that. Oh my goodness. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, all of you. That's amazing.
4: Um, I'm still processing as I'm talking. So I'm, first, of all, I just want to thank you just for uh, just addressing money because I think I really struggled. Um, Be in an atmosphere where we're so used to hearing the testimonies about how God miraculously paid off this debt, or God miraculously, um, yeah, just paid off debt when when people had like high credit card bills, and and God was faithful, or or, or whatever. And really, it was really hard for me to reconcile that. I I was in a profession where, um, in society, people consider that a very good profession makes a lot of money, and yet there are a lot of things where it's just God had instilled in me just at a really young age about being a really good steward of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just learned from um, just last night that, that it was okay to be a good steward of the things that were in our life that were actually tangible things and not just being good stewards of the teachings of um just of other things because I think what I've been always struggling with and I've I've talked to Pastor Brent and Susanna is just I think I've wondered if you know maybe I'm supposed to show God that that I'm sold out to Him and I'm obedient to Him if I just throw away everything that I have Mm -hmm. because I really struggle with that um, go and sell all your stuff and follow me Mm -hmm. Um, and partly I kind of want to do that just because I want to like prove to Him Mm -hmm. but What's happened just in the last 24 hours is just, I'll sit, I'll just sit at the table with my dad, oh. my, my, my spiritual dad, Jesus, my Holy yeah. Father, and he's like, what do you want to do? And that actually kind of freaks me out, because the million dollar thing, I actually didn't have a problem with that. I said, okay, 25% of this, 10% please require 10% <laughs> of the I, I had all these but there's this thing saying, you know what? You need to be careful because if you even hold on to that money, you're going to be serving mammon. And Mm -hmm. the Lord's been kind of just softening my heart that there is a difference between having money Mm -hmm. and serving God versus serving mammon and having money. And so I just, I'm still working through that because I've been wanting, I've been looking down this road like I'm going to quit. I'm going to just sell my house. And I felt like last night the Lord was like, I gave you that house. So come on. Do you remember why I did that. How come did that? Yeah, on. I wanted to have people come into the home. Wow. I wanted people to live there in case they were traveling through and wanted to go to the kingdom training school. And so all these things that I thought so were like curses were actually the enemy trying to kind of wow. pull me out of the things that he's already entrusted wow. me to steward. So wow, I'm still that's working that. So good. Um, but yeah.
0: Excellent. Thank you Thank so you. much. Awesome. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you, Brent, for that. Wow. Thank you for being brave and sharing. That was rich, huh? Yes. Oh, my goodness. We're going to try to do that again later. I've got about, I think, about 15 minutes. Well, I could go to 1230, you said. Okay. I, I won't go to 1230. I think I'll go about another 15 to maybe 30 more minutes, okay? So you can kind of gauge. We'll get us out after twelve, but we don't come back till two, so that's yeah, plenty of time to eat. But you're gonna have some stuff to brew. I think there's gonna be stuff going on at lunch, so I'm glad we have a long, a long lunch break. There's a couple of things in this few minutes here, I think um, as you guys were talking, different ones of you as you were sharing, I was just making notes, and um and I want to just address some of those things. Something that I've heard consistently Through the cracks and in between comments, is this idea of giving? How do you give? When do you give enough? And and I and I have the luxury of speaking to this a little bit. I think because I come from a relationship with Bill Johnson. I've been around Bill for eighteen years. Some of these guys have been around thirty, you know. But I've been around him in a unique setting, and that is answering the financial problems of Bethel. You know, when 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 it gets really You know, nobody comes to the dentist when their teeth are all good, right? You go to the dentist when there's a problem. And the same is in my office. Nobody comes to my office when, man, I got money coming out of my ears. Everything's working. My investments are growing. I just came to tell you that. No. (laughs) They come to say, you know, hey, I'm out of money. This is broken. We got debt. We got blah, blah. And so the same goes on between Bill and I. Well, Bill has said from the pulpit, you can't outgive God. And I'm bet I'll bet you money you've heard it from Brent as well, and it is a true thing. But what I, the reason I feel like I can bring something unique to it is that I get the rest of the story, I because I'm in the office. In those meetings where, we have outgiven. We've given out. What do we do? And so I'm hoping this helps some of you. Um, everything that comes to us, we're talking about how money works right now. Everything that comes into your life, whether it's your individual home or your church or your business, however that money comes in, it all has two... It can be put in one of two categories. Bread and seed. Bread and seed. It doesn't matter how much it is. If it comes into your possession... You're going to have to divide between bread and seed. Now, there's a statement I started with that you can't outgive God. And that is a true statement on the seed side. Okay? Because God gives seed to the sower, right? You can't outgive God because when you sow seed, He gives seed to the sower and we can sow more seed. And you give more seed to the sower, and we sow more seed. Can you outgive that? No, you can't. But you can mistake seed for bread. And you can sow bread. And bread in the ground rots. And this is the rest of the story. You need to know the difference between bread and seed. And there is a difference and it never is a formula. It's not 10% is the tithe and 90% is the rest. 10% isn't the seed and 90% is the bread. It might be today, but it might not be tomorrow. You see, we tend to form rigid rules. And that has been done by the Hebrews who built a golden calf, didn't they? They built and solidified and made into a formula their idea of how to worship. And all of this money stuff is worship. All of this is a form of worship. And our bread is worship as well as our seed. You understand that? You don't... You see, when you give the tithe, you make the whole lump holy. All of it. It's all holy. Right? Your bread is holy and your seed is holy. So, you got to know what kind of a seed planter you are. You got to know if you're planting corn or lima beans or, heaven forbid, Brussels sprouts. Right? That's probably, I, you know, I do too. I repent. I love Brussels sprouts, especially barbecued with butter and wow. Anyway, pick a nasty food. Um, <laughs> My point, (laughs) it's getting close to lunch, so my pictures become more and more akin to food. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I thought it was safe with Brussels sprouts. But But my wife and I, um, some years ago, figured out what kind of seed planters we are. We figured out, because Papa told us, this isn't done in a vacuum, right? This is done with you and the Holy Spirit. And probably wise to get yourself some wise counselors around you. None of this has to be done in secret. But Steve and Donna figured out that oh, we're supposed to be planting, I'll use this example, we're supposed to be planting corn. Okay, just a simple example. I'm happy to share the details, but for now, in the big room and on the microphone, I'll just say we learned how to sow corn. We are corn sowers. So we navigate through our life, looking for places to put corn seed in the ground, and occasionally opportunities come along for us to seed, to put seed in that isn't corn. I'll give you an example. We're sitting at Bethel Church, and just about every week there's an opportunity to give to some missionary or another, some well deal, well-digging deal. I can't say it. Or uh, you know, rescuing girls that are being enslaved or whatever. There's always something floating along. And we, on occasion, say no to an offering. (gasps) How do you do that and not feel guilty that Bill is going to find out? (laughs) Right? You do it by knowing what kind of seed you are sowing. And so here comes the offering opportunity, and we are going is that corn? I don't think that's corn. Nope, that's not corn. So we say no. Is that earth-shaking and surprising? That's how you steward. You see, you're supposed to steward your money. Steve and Donna, to the best of our ability, point our money at corn. We aim it. And we do it generously. When we pour out corn seed, we pour it out as best we can. But we don't plant lima beans. And occasionally a lima bean opportunity comes by. And I'll tell you what else. Occasionally we say no and it was a mistake. Something will go by and we'll say, I don't think that's corn. We're not going to sow into this offering. By the time we get home, the Holy Spirit's like, you know, hey, uh, that was corn. Ah, guess what? Daddy isn't a punisher. He's a rewarder. Oh, yeah, yeah, daddy's better than I think. So we go fix that. Oh, well, let's go sow back into that. We were wrong. We said no, but we we needed to sow into that. That isn't condemnation. That's power. That's us learning how to follow. That's us learning how to be Solomon. And listen, seed and corn, seed and corn, seed and bread. Bread, on the other hand, rots in the ground. It's to be eaten, right? Right? So when we earn money, when that money comes into us, we separate between corn and seed. Now, I'm sorry, I'm getting hungry. (laughs) Bread and seed. Bread for us is the thing it takes to make our vision powerful. Right? Think about a human body. You know, If we never feed it because we're so busy sowing our corn, so busy putting out our seed, and we never eat bread because we're conflicted, we feel like, well, it's evil to eat bread. What happens is our body gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, and pretty soon what happens? We can't sow anymore because there's no me left. I'm gone. Same goes for a business. The business has to eat bread. The business has to be strong and growing. You need to fuel your vision. What is it you're building? Why are you on the planet? I think when I come back from lunch, we're going to get into the purpose train. It's where I thought we were going to go this morning, but God took us another direction. But we're going to talk about the purpose train. That's that decision-making tool I mentioned last, last evening. But it's a way to mark why we're here. We'll start with the million dollar thing and we'll have some fun with that. But you don't want to run your life on accident. You don't want to, do you know that if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it? If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Know what you're aiming at. That will help you discern between bread and seed. And if you choose wrong, fix it. Does that make sense? I'm hoping that will help some of some of the comments I've heard and some of the things in the room around money. Some of it is yours to keep. And you don't have to be conflicted about that. Good. And if you're conflicted, it's probably because you don't know why you're on the planet. Mm. You don't know what your purpose is. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Bread and seed. That comes out of my Prosperous Home series, so you got a little glance on that. Um, Here's another thing about money. Money always returns to its rightful owner. Now, it doesn't mean it's righteous owner. Money has no connection to righteousness, morality. You get that? It's It's amoral. It has no ethics to it. But it's like an axe. An axe can be used for good or for evil. The axe has no morals, no ethics to it. Money is the same way. But I believe money always returns to its rightful owner. That means the person who knows how to use money well, money is attracted to him. Doesn't mean that person that uses money well is righteous. And I can prove that scripturally because, you know, the, the Hebrew nation, the the Jew Israel was enriched three times than I remember in the Old Testament from Egypt twice from Egypt one from Philistia I think it was Abraham remember Abraham and Sarah and Pharaoh was getting all hinky with Sarah and when he found out that that wasn't his sister that was his wife he was like whoa and so what does he do he gives him back his Sarah and then he gives him a bunch of wealth so there's wealth was mounting up in Egypt that happened three times isn't that weird and Israel would walk in and scoop up their stuff and leave. But Egypt was the one that was collecting it. Isn't that weird? Now, there was a transfer from the wicked to the righteous when it came from, let's say in this case, from Egypt to Israel. But why was it always mounting up in Egypt? You see, I think, I think we can't afford to be accidental with our money. You've got to have an understanding of why you're on the planet. We'll work on that this afternoon. And how your money relates to that purpose. And when you have that, money becomes a tool and a weapon in your hands. And when that engages, you become the rightful owner. Right? Because we need it to accomplish what God has for us. We need it. And it will come in, and we will use it. Now, if our purpose for life is just living fat, um, that's a selfish ambition. I don't think God's into funding that. I don't think he's... that. It, it just destroys us. So, the idea that money returns to its rightful owner, become a rightful owner by becoming, using money on purpose. And then the last thing I think I'll mention is an evangelism of Jealousy. We've been talking a bunch about Sheba and Solomon and how amazing it was when Sheba saw and her breath left her body. She was just like, oh, that's amazing. And then out of her mouth came an, an, a declaration of the God of heaven, the God of Solomon. Okay? She acknowledged, wow, you've got something I could not even imagine. And I believe that's a demonstration of the world recognizing God on a person and then wanting that God. It happens in Malachi 3 as well. Malachi 3, in context, is talking about the tithe and offering, but that's not the message here. It says that the windows of heaven would be opened, and the nations would call you blessed. You get that? That means the nations, they're referring to the outsiders. These are not believers. We're not calling each other blessed. The nations outside are going, you know, those guys are blessed. I don't know what it is or how they do it. They're blessed. Someone, maybe there's a God. They believe in a God. Maybe there really is a God. I, I call that an evangelism of jealousy. That the world would see us and go, "How's that work? I, you know, how, how does that work? And we'll go, yeah, let me tell you. It is Jesus. Straight up, it is Jesus. It is the cross. All the stuff we've been talking about, it is Jesus Christ. And you know what? Come on in, dude. This is not an exclusive club. An evangelism of jealousy. You know, we're in a season when we could literally see the planet saved. How's that going to happen? By our fancy clothes? By our nice cars? Our trim bodies because we're working out with our seven-minute abs?
3: Whoa. No,
0: they got all that. It's just like the Queen of Sheba. They got all that stuff better than we do. But we got to have a staircase. We have a staircase. We just got to learn how to use it. We've got to learn to go before the house of the Lord. It says it was the staircase by which Solomon went up to the house of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? We've got to build our staircases, guys. The staircases are hanging right now. They're built. Solomon built them, demonstrated them. There's a couple other verses. I think one of them is the one I mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, that we would be stewards of his mysteries. We would handle God's secrets. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. The secrets of God. What is he thinking about? Isn't that amazing? What is he thinking about? And he would whisper it, John. I want you this. Sandy, this is what I want you to say. Oh my goodness. And the world is going to be amazed. The world will be left breathless. Isn't that amazing? I just place on you an evangelism of jealousy. In Jesus' name right now, is a mantle. I stand behind you in the spirit and I lay it over your shoulders. I introduce to you Malachi 3. The nations would call you blessed. The idea. And I see it hang off your shoulders. And it wraps around you. And it's not to be dropped. What I mean is, it can't be dropped. That the nation's others, this is I, I, you know, I'm imagining family members and people that don't maybe think you're nuts, maybe they're not too sure about you. I see people at desks across this little lobby, where you're in office settings, and people are like, "Yeah, that's the one with all the Christian crazy stuff on her wall and it's a Christian screensaver," but I see that they're going to look, they're going to be watching you and go, "There is something different, and I need it," and so I call on you, as stewards of an evangelism of jealousy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. All right, it's 12.04. Here's what we're going to do. You guys doing good? Yeah. Fun, fun. Anybody hungry? Yeah? Yeah? All that talk of Brussels sprouts and lima beans? (laughs) (laughs) And the corn. Bring it. Brilliant. One of the funniest stories I heard lately was Bill Was it Bill? No, it was Danny Silk came back from South Africa And he says down there You know, they have meat They have meat, meat, man They got, you know, antelopes And hippos And what do they eat? You know, Just big stuff they, Everything's meat down there He said they have so much meat They consider chicken a vegetable <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Like that's cool. That's South Africans for you. You know those dudes are tough. So good. So I think when we come back and our tummies are full, um, I think I'm going to get into the purpose train, and I'll tell you where we're going to start. So you can hold me accountable. How's that? I put it right here so I don't lose it. We're going to do a purpose train. Where we're going to start is we're going to start with the $1 million list. And I'm, I'd like to get the microphone again and move it around and just hear what people did with their million-dollar exercise last night. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you got a token uh, last night. You got two. You got three. You got a bag, which is this symbolizing the capacity to carry, right? You got a penny, which I neglected to tell you what that was for. And it's in the book, and I'll just throw out one thing. The main thing on the penny is the word liberty. And you know that there's a difference between liberty and freedom? Did you know those two words aren't the same? Did you know that those words didn't even exist until modern Western culture? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even exist. In fact, it's a fascinating study, and I can help you find the the heady research on this. But it started out, the only, for like 90% of humanity's existence, the opposite to slave was not free, it was master. Isn't that weird? There is no comparable free idea. There was no freeman. You were either a master or a slave. Well, that has changed the Western world, and I think it's a, it's a fingerprint of what God is doing on, and I'm going to pick on America as the Western there's, there's others, but I'm going to pick on America because I know it best. The, um, I think that there's an assignment on America to create wealth for a purpose. But that has been twisted by the spirit of mammon to aim it at ourselves. But the fact that we have an anointing, Deuteronomy 8.18 upon us, that verse says that we have the power to create wealth, Okay. It goes on as it's connected to a covenant. But you can check that out on your own. The fact that that anointing is on us, we don't need to apologize for it. We just need to correct the influence, the twist that the enemy has put on us. We need to have a purpose behind the creation. Because, see, there's a kingdom economy active on the planet. And the financing engine that money returns to its rightful owner, we are like Egypt, Americans. America creates massive wealth for it in fact it's the longest it's the single uh, as as a as an individual nation it's experienced we've experienced the longest um, expanded economy in the history of the planet did you know that America yeah yeah 200 years of growth unparalleled no one's even come close to us why is that you know are, is there an impending doom on us And all, you know, you know, all of these things that, you know, I don't want to get off into that stuff too much. But I will say, I suppose if we keep flaunting that in the Lord's face, I'm supposing he could withdraw. But what if we turned it? What if Joseph came out of prison, got out of debt and began to activate and began to speak to Pharaoh? And Pharaoh began to listen and he go, that's, that's the right answer. It could happen. I think it's going to happen, personally. I'm sleeping like a baby. I don't know about you guys, that I'm not worried about this stuff. But I am busily working at getting out of prison, right? Learning how to carry. And so, um, I don't know how I got there, but... <laughs> liberty, thank you. All this from a penny, holy moly. Yeah, liberty and freedom are two different things. You see, freedom means escape from something. Freedom means like I'm locked in prison and I get freedom, the door swings open and I get to leave. So, freedom implies the escape. Whereas liberty implies a table with many choices on it and the ability to choose. I'll take this one. This is why people um, in prison, when they walk out with freedom, end up returning because they can't carry liberty. Isn't that something? Now, here's the thing. Oh, here I'm preaching. But I'm still within my minutes. Did you know that if you have freedom without liberty, I believe you're bound to return to bondage? It's bound to happen. It's like, I won't say guaranteed, but I'll say it's really highly likely. So this this is why Prosperous Soul isn't about freedom. It's about liberty. Remember the circle? And the test doesn't happen at the bottom. And we always think it's at the bottom. The trouble happens at the top. The test begins when we're in success, when we're in freedom. And the capacity to carry is liberty. So this is the penny. And it's on the the first, it's on number one. So it's the place to start. Okay. Well, those are your tokens. And then I gave you a million dollar bill. And what I asked you as a homework assignment either last night or this morning, before we started, write down ideas. What would I do if you today had a million dollars? What would you do? I mean, you found it under a rock. (laughs) Or you roll over in bed and it's stuck to your husband's shoulder. You know, you're like, what's that? You know? Or you, you know, you lift up your foot. Oh my gosh, there's a million dollars there. What would you do with it? So that's where we'll start, and then we'll work down through some of the, the purpose train as to how you make your decisions in life and how you narrow your life down if you've got too much going on. Who has too much going on, maybe? Maybe. Not a, not a trick question, just whose life is too busy? Yeah, there's a bunch in here. OK. If you're in a place where you're just drowning, oh, let me back up a little bit. Did you hear the beeping? Sorry. Um, <laughs> if you 're in a place where you can 't even imagine what you would do with a dream because with a with a million bucks because you can 't imagine you just have no capacity to dream if you 're like dried up inside you 're going to need to study the um, session one the end of session one that we didn 't get to last night it's it 's on Joseph we touched on it, and we did a prayer last night about how we How we perceive the dreams of Joseph created the punishment and suffering, right? And I quickly prayed that, and I said, no, actually, it was the poverty spirit that put Joseph in the hole. It was the dream that got him out and eventually in. See, so the dreams are buoys, not anchors. And uh, there's an amazing revelation in there. I think it's amazing. I think God showed me in a dream. I wish I could share it, but because of time, it'll be something I come back and do. But in the meantime, you guys can go check it out. Some crazy things in there about, about the evil one. Do you know the word evil one? Okay, I got to go here. Thank you, Did you know that evil one... I'm a New American Standard reader, but it works for NIV as well as a couple of other translations... If you Google in your Bible program the phrase evil one in New American Standard, it shows up 10 times all in the New Testament. And do you know what it means? I thought it meant devil, right? Or demon or Lucifer. It means toil. 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 Check it out. It comes from a word... That means to be bent over with worry wow. and concern. It means toil. Now, there's a scripture. It's all built in there, and that's why we did the manual. So I can just throw that out. fascinating stuff. See, it's the, I'm not saying there's no devil. I'm saying the devil's strategy is to yeah. toil us down to where we can't dream. Yeah. Because, see, dreaming is like it's like reaching the bottom rung. It's like asking and imagining. We did some experiment. This was the million-dollar exercise, was to imagine, what would I do with a million dollars? I want you to stretch. Because if you get your hand on that bottom rung of the ladder and begin to climb, you can go anywhere up there. What's up there in heaven? It's part of a message I have on scaffolding. I'm sorry, it's kind of bits and pieces here, but what's possible in the scaffolding of heaven? Everything. Anything. Anything. Ask or imagine lives in the scaffolding of heaven. you get that? What's possible in your life? It is there. But the enemy cannot allow us, he cannot allow the church to reach the bottom rung. And the bottom rung is our ability to imagine, our ability to dream. Okay, so that all lives in a session that's behind us. But you can check that out at Lunch. We'll come back and play with the million. We'll do a purpose train. We'll see what God's going to do. If I run out of things to say, I'll tell you about the four steps of success. How's that? And then, yeah, I I got a bunch. But I'm going to be done, so Father God, I'll just pray. So I just close in prayer, Lord, that you would bless these meals we're about to eat. You would fill us full of your spirit and that this food would bless our hearts and our bodies. I pray that we would begin to prosper in our souls and we would experience divine health with this food. I pray that we would prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen.